Can you hear me now? <laughs> okay, sorry about that. Well, we, with the technology, we had too much technology this morning because I had to take one of my hearing aids out to get this thing on. So uh, if I reverberate or whatever, anyway. Well, most familiar passage of Scripture. It's a conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Of course, Nicodemus is one of my favorite uh, Bible characters uh, in the Bible. So, you go ahead and turn there. If you don't have a Bible, it's in the Pew Bible in the back of the pew on page 1055. And we'll get there in a minute. But a Sunday school teacher was uh, asking her first grade class. Uh, she said, if I sold my car and my house, had a big garage sale, and gave all the money to the church, would I go to heaven? And they all said, no, teacher. She said, well, if I cleaned the church up every day and mowed the grass, kept everything neat and tidy, would I go to heaven? She said, no, teacher. She said, well, then how would I go to heaven? And little Johnny jumped up in the back and said, you got to be dead. <laughs> well, this passage of Scripture this morning might give us a little different viewpoint about how to get to heaven. As I said, we'll be in John chapter 3. Um, some of you attended our DVD study that we did on the movie Jesus of Nazareth, where we looked at particular episodes, and then we had a discussion about it. And then a lot of you probably have looked at the series The Chosen on Netflix or Peacock or one of those streaming channels. Um, so... Uh, when you, when you see those movies, it kind of gives you a visual of the, of the Bible characters and the storyline of that time. Now, keep in mind, that movie ain't 100% accurate. The Word of God is, but they, they try to make it human and, and put some things in there. But anyway, uh, kind of like you remember uh, Charlton Heston did in the Ten Commandments movie. I mean, you see, you think of, you see him, you think, of Mo, you think of Moses, you see him. So, I want to do something just a little bit different this morning. We're going to show about a five-minute clip of The Chosen, Episode 7. This is a conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. And then we'll look to his word uh, this morning for a few tidbits of truth that we can glean from this passage of Scripture. Okay, <clears throat> so as we look at this conversation in the text this morning from John chapter 3, we can see that Jesus is teaching Nicodemus and us about a kingdom. The focal point of the message this morning is John the Apostle, in his record of Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, gives us three aspects of our salvation. So John chapter 3, verses 1 through 16, and would you please stand as we read from God's holy word. Starting in verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, and in King James it says, truly, truly, just remember that. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, 
Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not, perceive, do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then in verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time, Lord, that we, you set aside, Lord, that we could come to your house this morning to hear your word. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me, that your spirit might move, uh, Lord, and the word this morning might find lodging in the hearts of the people. We ask that you bless us now as we look to your word this morning, and it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Okay, the first point we want to look at, the first aspect of salvation, is that Jesus teaches us about a new birth. Looking in verses 1 through 4, and just looking back at some key words out of verses 1 through 4, we want to look at Nicodemus, Pharisee, kingdom, and born again. First of all, let me give you just a little bit of background on Nicodemus. It says that he was a uh, Pharisee and that he was a ruler of the Jews. He was also a member of the Sanhedrin, which was a council of about 70 men that had uh, religious authority over uh, the people, the nation. They had authority over any Jew anywhere in the world. You could possibly look at it as kind of like our our Supreme Court, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But it was the council was mostly made up of uh, Pharisees, which uh, Nicodemus was a part of. Now, it's important to learn also about the Pharisees or who they were. If there was ever a fanatical religious group, the Pharisees would fit uh, that mold. They took a vow early on that they would devote their entire lives to obeying the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, if you will. They even had the scribes that would help them in determining just how you would do that. Uh, they believed that that was how you were reconciled to God, uh, and uh, Nicodemus believed that the kingdom of God was already established because he thought that if you were a descendant of Abraham, that is, you were a Jew, um, you were just waiting on the Messiah. You were already in the kingdom if you were a descendant of Abraham and obeyed the law. And so they were just waiting on the Messiah to come and deliver them from the oppression of Rome, as you saw in the movie. By the way, that clip was a good synopsis of this passage of Scripture, or at least I, I think it is. 
Now, you know that the Ten Commandments were given more or less in general terms. It speaks to worshiping the one true God. It says, no idols before us. Uh, honor your father and mother. Refrain from adultery, lying, stealing, and murder. But the Pharisees and the scribes felt like they had the need to be more detailed to, to tell people how you honor your father and mother, how, did, how you stay away from adultery, how did you don't lie. They, they felt it. And so they added all these, tacked all these other laws uh, onto the ten, kind of like we've done with the Supreme Court. Uh, for instance, a farmer or a sailor could tie a knot during the week, but on the Sabbath, that was prohibited. You couldn't tie a knot. But a woman could tie a knot in her girdle. Uh, go figure. So if you wanted to get a bucket of water, you couldn't tie the rope to the bucket. You, you could tie it to the girdle and then tie the girdle to the bucket, and then you could get a bucket of water. You get, right, you, you get the picture. And so also another example is if you, if you were walking down the road and, and you got a blister on your foot, if you took your sandal off and you was carrying it in your hand, then that was carrying a burden, and that was prohibited on the Sabbath. Another one, and, and it speaks to this in one of the Gospels, if you're walking through the wheat field or the rye field and you pluck the grains of wheat and rub them in your fingers, then you're threshing. And that's, I guess, the Sabbath. So uh, with these silly laws, they attempted uh, to obey the law and to please God. That's the kind of man that Nicodemus was that we're talking about here. And the Bible says that he came to Jesus in the darkness of the night. Now, we don't know the reason that he came. We, we can speculate, probably because he didn't want the other members of the Sanhedrin knowing that he was going to meet with Jesus because Jesus, Jesus was turning the religious groups upside down uh, with the message that he brought. And so he came at night. It could have been that Nicodemus was too busy during the day or he thought Jesus was too busy, one or the other. But anyway, he was impressed with what he had seen and heard from Jesus and his teachings because... He had already seen Jesus had healed the paralytic at the pool. Um, just back in chapter 2, he had turned water into wine at the wedding in Cana. And then he, he saw him cleanse the temple of the money changers uh, at that time. And so he comes to Jesus and he wants to know more about who Jesus is. And we're going to see in a minute who Jesus is and what is Jesus going to accomplish. Uh, Jesus, what did Jesus tell him? He said, he's building a kingdom. And, and uh, Nicodemus says, well, that's good. But he thought the kingdom was already there, and he thought that he was in it because he was a, a Jew. But Jesus said, no, I'm not building an earthly kingdom. I'm not coming to deal with Rome and all your political problems, but I'm building a spiritual one. And, of course, this confuses Nicodemus as perhaps it confuses some of us, too, because Nicodemus' assumption was that based on his racial identity and his old birth, that he was assured a place in God's kingdom. But he was thinking earthly kingdom, and Jesus said his kingdom is spiritual. So a man's first birth does not assure him a place in the kingdom of God. Jesus told him, Nicodemus, to enter the kingdom, this spiritual kingdom I'm building, you must be born again. And Nicodemus doesn't quite grasp what he's saying. He said, well, how can this be? You heard, he said, 
a Gentile to a Jew conversion? Because, see, the Jews were perfectly uh, content if a Gentile wanted a relationship with God, that was fine. But first of all, they wanted him to become a Jew and perform all the rituals of a Jew, like circumcision. And he said, no, that's not it. He said, well, I hope you're not talking about going back into the mother's womb because that would be a problem for him and be a problem for most of us too. Uh, so he says, Jesus, what, what, what are you talking about here? So look at that, let's look at that word, born again. That's what he said. You must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. Now, everybody differs on when and how you're born again, but that's not the uh, subject of this message. The Greek word translates again, which will imply a second time, a second birth, a new, a new life, or from above, which would come from God. Essentially, it means to have new life. Something's dead, and it's been born or awakened to life. The theological term that scholars use for this is regeneration. Now, the idea here of rebirth or recreation it's all over the New Testament. So let's just look at just a few verses. If you want to write these down and look at them later, that's fine. Just listen fast. First uh, Peter chapter 1. It speaks of being born anew of, by God's great mercy. And First Peter, also in chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, it speaks of being born anew from an imperishable seed. In James chapter 1, he speaks of God bringing us, bringing us forth by the word of truth. In Titus 3, he says, Titus speaks to us of the washing of regeneration. In Romans 6, speaks of dying with Jesus and rising anew. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, speaks of new believers as newborn babies. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17, which is probably my most favorite verse in the Bible, that's the one I wrote on the concrete over there in the administration building when we built it, speaks of us being a new creation in Christ. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. It's a contrast there between the old nature or the old birth and the new birth, the spiritual birth. And so Ephesians chapter 4 says, The new man is created after God in righteousness. Hebrews 5 says that at the beginning of our Christian life, we were like children. And this is an important one here in verse uh, in chapter 2 of Ephesians, in verse 1, it says, And you he hath made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. The new birth is brought about by the conviction and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus said, No man can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. So let me give you about three little truths here about being born again. First of all, it's, it's a mystery, mysterious, kind of like the Trinity. But we believe it and understand it and accept it in faith. It comes from God through the Holy Spirit. And the third thing is that it's necessary, Jesus said, to enter the kingdom of God, the kingdom that Jesus was talking about building, that spiritual kingdom. So he teaches us about a new birth. The second point in verses 5 through 8, look back at the text, 
uh, he teaches us about a new spirit. Again, some of the, tr the words we want to look at here is truly, truly, water, spirit, and wind. The song Clint sang about was about this living water, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But when he said, you remember when you was growing up and your parents called you by all your names? Yeah, that, that meant terror. Something was important coming. You, you, knew, you knew to pay attention if they called you by your whole name, your middle name and your back name. I guarantee you, you better listen. And that's what he says here, truly, something important is coming. He said, Nicodemus, I told you you must be born again. Don't marvel that I said you must be born again, but you must be born of the water and spirit. Now, let's, let's talk about the water. Uh, theologians have different concepts of what they think he means here when he's talking about water. Some people think baptism which doesn't, doesn't really fit because we all know that as Baptists that baptism doesn't save you. It's just a symbol of what has already happened in a man's heart. It's when, when we baptize somebody, he said, buried in the likeness of his death, raised again to walk in the newness of life. Others think that it's, it talk, it's talking about a, a cleansing here, like the woman at the well. Jesus said, if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. Um, so baptism and cleansing have some application here, but that's not what he's talking about. Personally, I think he's talking about the new birth, the physical, I mean, I'm sorry, the physical birth. Any woman in here that's ever had a, a, child, a baby knows what he's talking about when he's talking about the water, or you're born of the water, the sack that holds, holds the baby. And so also he adds to that, and he said, what's born of the flesh is flesh, which is the old nature, and what's born of the spirit is spirit, which is that new nature that we have when the Holy Spirit convicts us and we respond in faith. He's given us a, a new spirit, the Bible tells us, and the reason because our old spirit was dead. Back in the Garden of Edom, he told Adam and Eve, if they, if they disobeyed him, if they eat of that fruit, that they would surely die. Well, they didn't die physically, did they? No, they, they lived physically. They, they died spiritually. And everybody since then is born, we're born spiritually dead. And there's nothing that we can do to get ourselves back in a correct position with God. Nothing we can do to reconcile ourselves. He puts a new spirit within us. Ezekiel 36, 26, this is what it says. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, which means life. That heart of flesh denotes life. He's talking about spiritual life because he makes us alive in Christ and wakes us up spiritually by the power of his Holy Spirit. Sometimes we, we refer to this as God's call. Um, it says, to them he called, them he also justified. That's in Romans. So it's like, it's God stirring, stirring your heart. You remember when Samuel was in the temple, somebody called him and he said, he thought it was Eli, the priest. Lord, he called him three times. Samuel said, uh, the priest, Eli said, that's the Lord calling you. Next time he calls you, say, here I am, Lord. Uh, he, uh, you know, you respond. Somebody calls your name or your phone. You know, always my daddy. When he said Eddie, I didn't just know, just say sir. I started going to, toward where he was at. Uh, 
because he was calling me and I knew he, he meant business. Um, okay, so he tells us to crucify the old and walk in the new. Actually, that that's refers to repentance. It's, it's talking about repentance. And we know that repentance is like doing a 180-degree turn. It's like a, a band marching or an army platoon is marching. They say about face, you turn and you go in the other direction. That same verse, therefore, if many man be in Christ, old things pass away. Behold, new things shall come. Because we have... Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit is directing our lives if we are submissive and obedient to His calling. We don't go to the same old places we used to go. We don't do the same old things we used to do. We don't talk the way we used to talk, and we don't think the way we used to. That's because we have a new spirit that convicts us of our sin. In John 16 and verse 8, this is what it says. And when He, talking about the Holy Spirit, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And then he, he uses an analogy here with the wind. He asked Nicodemus, you, you know where the wind comes from? He said, no. You know where it's going? He said, no. Can you see it? He said, no. He said, that's the way it is with one born of the Spirit. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. And you can't see the Spirit, but you can see the effects of the Holy Spirit working in a person's life by the fruit of the Spirit that they bear. And that's love, joy, peace, self-control, all those the fruit uh, of the Spirit. So yes, He teaches us about a new birth. He teaches us about a new Spirit. And thirdly, and last, He teaches us about a new faith. Nicodemus still ain't grasped it yet. But Jesus is telling him more about his kingdom here in verses 9 through 16. Basically, he's telling Jesus who he actually is. That he's, he's the Messiah. He's the Son of Man. That was one of uh, Christ's favorite descriptions of himself. The Son of Man. He said, you know, Nicodemus, I'm in authority. I have the authority to tell you what I'm telling you. But he said, if I tell you earthly things, you don't understand that. How you do you understand spiritual things? And so he's, uh, he said, uh, you're a teacher of Israel. You should understand and know these things because like we read in the New Testament about the new birth, it's also in the Old Testament. I just read the one about Ezekiel that he'll give us a, a new uh, heart. Jeremiah and Ezekiel prophesied about the new covenant or his new creation. And then Jesus uses another story to tell him to explain this new faith. This is the same story that I heard 43 years ago when I started coming to this church. Frankie Hodges was our pastor. And I had questions about my faith and what it meant to be in the kingdom and what it meant to join the church. I, I had questions all about that. And Frankie pulled me aside. I met him at night, too. It was at night. And uh, he used this story uh, to tell me about the kingdom of God. And uh, the Lord convicted me, and shortly after that, I made a profession of faith and, uh, and been following Him in this church for 43 years. And this is the story. You, you saw the picture of it. He, uh, he said, Nicodemus, you remember when uh, the Israelites were complaining, which was most of the time, were complaining, kind of like us sometimes, about 
to, to God and to Moses. And he said, yes, Lord, the snakes were biting the people and they were dying. And God made a way. He told Moses to go get a brass serpent and put it up on a pole. And he said, if somebody gets bit by a snake, tell them to look at that pole in faith and belief and they'll be healed and they won't die. And that's exactly what happened. He told Nicodemus, look, entering this kingdom, it's, simp it's simple, Nicodemus. Just have faith and believe in the one who came to provide the salvation for man. You know, it goes back to the garden again. Man was bitten by sin, disobeyed God, and God said that Adam would die, and he did die spiritually. And sin separated man from God, but God made a way. He sent his son who lived a life that we couldn't live. He died the death that we deserve. He took on our punishment and imputed to us his righteousness. He was the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. There's no other name under heaven whereby men may be saved. We simply look to the cross in faith. Peter said it well when he said, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is the one who provides our salvation. So let's wrap up just quickly. So yes, he gives us a new birth. He wakes us up spiritually. He gives us a new spirit who convicts us of our sin. And he gives us a new faith that we can look to him for our salvation. The Bible says, for by grace are ye saved through faith. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. So this morning, I hope you are trusting in him. If the Holy Spirit is working in your heart this morning and stirring your heart, I hope that you will respond in repentance and faith. The altar is open this morning. May the Lord add his blessing is my prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this time that we've shared together. Thank you for the fellowship that we've enjoyed and for your word, Lord. We just pray that there's someone here that this word, Lord, would, your word would find lodging in their heart. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.